As you can see by the outline, a little different than I normally do for y'all, and I just put this one together. I've taught on Romans for years, and uh, so tonight I figured we'd do the normal word study. So I believe that my conviction is the more you understand the word, the better your faith is going to be in effectiveness. So, you know, we don't, we don't have the right to just translate what we think he said. We need to know what he said so we can better understand. So all the words <clears throat> that I listed them out for you, you'll see the, the Greek words translated into English, like horizo, all these different words. You you can use Google probably and and get these. These come from the original Greek dictionary, which it's all in Greek, and so you have to be able to read Greek to know it. So these are the Greek definitions, but they're also genitive words. And what that means in translation, a genitive word means the original form of the word. So it has many endings. If it's a verb, it has 21 endings. If it's a noun, it has 12. So you have to understand what happens, and so. This is why it's, it's wrong to just interpret a word or just to isolate a word, you know, like looking at concordance. And the reason it is because you need the context. You need to know how that word flows with the sentence. And so that's what we're doing with these. We're, we're putting it in context, picking out the ones that are important in context, and I'll explain why. So, you know, this is important for the believer to understand because we live in a time now we have all these variable Things And I don't know, you know, all I know is that Jesus is right. God is right. And so I want to know by the Spirit, what, what am I supposed to be looking at and what am I supposed to be doing? So, like, for instance, I know this morning we were focusing on the word crucified right now. When Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, and he said that uh, several times. But the word crucified is uh, susteru, susteru. And so what that word means, a combination word, Seuss means with, steru means to, and this is, uh, sounds weird, but to strengthen with stakes, to set stakes out, like you would stake out your property or stake out something. That, that's what we do. We put a fence around our property. Same thing when the word crucified means I'm learning how to strengthen or to establish my boundaries, all right? That's the actual word. So, that's what the believer has to learn to do. That now, the word susterus, it means with Christ. So in other words, he, steru, means he's already set the boundaries. He has. And there's no boundaries that are limited to you and I. All we need to do is have faith. So faith is not an earthly word or a religious word. It's a, a spiritual truth, but in covenant. So we need to understand that faith is not a doctrine, it's not a theology. Faith is a lifestyle. How we live on earth to agree with the foundation of heaven. Are you with me? So what we try to religiously make it all, you know, theological. And, just, and, and I'm not against theology. You can have good theology and bad theology. You can have false theology. You can have all those working all at the same time. So the word of God is what keeps that from happening. So... That's why I do these word studies and teach these word studies. And because, you know, if we understand the word, then our faith will be heaven. And I tell you, like I said this morning in service, what we typically do in religion is we'll study the world and then try to find what the word says about that so we can live right. Well, that's the opposite of what we should do. We should study heaven 
and then recognize that the world is not agreeing with heaven, so I need to be in agreement with heaven. Does that make sense to you? We don't start in the wrong direction. We start in the right direction. We start there, with, and that's what the word does. So if I'm making sense to you, this kind of, kind of flip-flops the, what we typically learn to do. So we typically study the world and what's going on in the world. Like we all know that right now you got transgender, you got all this stuff going on. And to the believers, like, how can you be confused about that? You're either a man or a woman. You're not either or, or you can select. It's not that. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so, you know, when the Bible says we're rich, we're rich with the authority of heaven, all right? But yet there's an earthly application. That's where faith comes in. I, I now, I don't look at my checkbook. I look at my provision to understand how I can speak the word and manifest that because Faith manifests heavenly blessing. That's why when you're only studying the world and trying to figure out how to put the word in, uh, you know, how to overcome the world, you're starting in the wrong, wrong place. So faith is a, begins in heaven. It's a heavenly word, not an earthly word. So it's not a doctrinal word. That's what we turn it into when man gets hold of it. So if I'm making sense to you, the whole point about faith is to understand where to begin, you know. Now, I remember years ago, my, my mentor of, of so many years, he was also a Greek student like I was, and, and he had the same degrees. And so, you know, I was interested in that because he really got me interested in it when I was in Bible college. And then I went on further and studied at LSU, which is not studying Bible Greek. It's just studying Greek. And then they taught you how to translate. So the point being, whenever he said, he said, I pray from a heavenly perspective, not an earthly does that make sense to you? See, when we see what's going on on the earth and then try to go to the Bible and find out how to penalize the world, he says, that's not your place, you know. Understand what I have for you so I can manifest it on earth. Does that make sense? So that's why things like healing, like I say things like when God looks at healing, you're already healed. Not going to be. But many people say, if they don't have it in a day or two, I'm going to be healed. I mean, God's going to heal me. And when you put that in there, here's what happens. Now you're speaking in earthly. Are you with me? So what's the devil say? They don't believe you, God. He can accuse you now of falsely believing. That's why we need to understand what these words are doing and how they properly can be applied in our lives. So... These are why, like I said, staru means crucified, sustaru means crucified with. So Paul understood the concept that on earth I am crucified with him who was crucified on the earth to give me the access now as a believer into heavenly. Sustaru. So he said, now, whenever you as a believer, you start out, we all have the potential of what Jesus established as a boundary. They're, they're all ours. But now I may encounter something that is less than what the Bible said. That's where my faith has to match his. So I expand my boundaries. That's why he, it makes sense. You set the boundary with stakes because you can move a stake. You can buy more land. You can buy more property. You can do whatever. And so now you own this much property. When he talks about the word, you begin to expand so maybe you're a believer that's encountering something on earth that you know is not in heaven. Well, you have to establish those boundaries, if that makes sense to you. 
you know, what that means is I live in, this is my property. Why? Because he, he established it. So that's where faith comes in when it's done properly. So faith is not an earthly word. Faith is not a doctrinal word. Faith is a lifestyle of heaven on earth, all right, connecting those two. So that's what we're kind of doing with this theology of salvation. The problem and the need is what we're studying as we study these words. We're, we're finding out what Paul said to the Roman church at what these words were communicating to them. So in the first part, you see Paul is considered the theologian of the New Testament. Now, sometimes you may misunderstand when I talk about theology like I'm, I'm talking it's a bad thing. Theology, can, you can have good theology, bad theology, or false theology. So most of the time when it's only man just studying an earthly relationship, you get false theology. You get bad theology, and that's what can happen. When you're studying the Word, you get good theology, and that's where Paul is relating these, this message to us. The Gospels share the Gospel, all right? And Paul gives the interpretation or the theology of the Gospels and how to live by faith. Now, when you read that in Romans, we'll get to that in a little bit, when he said the just shall live by faith, that's the word, live is the word zao, which is a derivative that comes from zoe. And so zoe is God's gift to us. He said, now, but you will live on the earth in your flesh, the zao life. You'll live on earth, the heavenly life on earth. Are you with me? That's what faith does, if that makes sense to you. So Paul's interpretation or theology of the Gospels was to teach us how to live on earth by faith that begins in heaven. It doesn't originate on earth. Now we think, you know, because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Well, what word are you hearing? Are you with me? Are you hearing a theological word? Are you hearing a doctrinal word? What are you hearing? That's what these things are doing. You're hearing the, the, the zoe of these words and so we can apply them. So the first eight chapters of Romans gives the clearest form of soteriology or the doctrine of salvation in the New Testament. That's the word soteria is the word salvation. You wasn't halfway saved. You were fully saved saved but you have to learn how to expand your property if I don't want the enemy to have this part then I've got to know what the word says about this part and declare that that's living a salvation life not just a theological you know and I pray and nothing happens you don't want to go in that route because that'll that'll definitely cripple you in your faith so what we're learning how to do is salvation encompasses everything, spirit, soul, body, finances, home, marriage, family, whatever. That's soteria. So when he gave you soteria, you have to grow into it. How do you do that? You begin to experience things in life, like we were talking about this morning. Paul was shipwrecked, snake bit, left for dead, stone left for dead. You know, all these things, they were tribulation to him. So what did he do? He just spoke the word. All right? And people saw it. People know if you're a believer because not just your doctrine, they're hearing what the Word says and seeing it working in your life. That's soteria. All right? That's what we're studying. <clears throat> so we see Romans chapter 1. We're going to 
typically speaking, uh, stay around Romans chapter 1 tonight. So, in Romans chapter 1, we'll read down to verse 4. I'll go ahead and read the first three verses. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which, had prom- which he had promised of before or afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the word, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now verse 4, and declared to be the son of God with power. How do you establish your believing as a Christian? How do you expand your boundaries? You have to understand what he declared on the earth so he could be the dominant one on the earth as a man and we could follow along in his footsteps. We don't do this by ourselves. It's what faith does. So he was declared to be the son of God with power. The people need to see that supernatural power in your life. They don't need to just hear your doctrine or, you know, I believe that I'm going to be or whatever. We need to understand the language of salvation, the language of heaven. That's what we need to do as believers so we can straighten out this mess, or he can straighten out this mess through the word. According to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Now, let's look at these words. Declared. Declared is a Greek word, horizo, horizo, uh, it's pronounced horizo like it has a D in it because the Z sound in Greek has a, like a, C, a TZ sound, horizo, which means mark off boundaries. Remember, we're talking about crucified? Mark off boundaries, all right? How do you do that? Jesus already set the boundaries for salvation. There are no, you can't have something more than that or less than that. You got it all. It's all yours. You have to receive it. But when you encounter something that has not been declared by Jesus, then I, as a believer, have a right to declare that on the earth. All right? All right, that's horizo. So what he's saying is to mark off boundaries, to determine or designate. Jesus already designated. The Bible will say sometimes he's predestinated it. He predetermined. So you have to believe when you encounter something that, has, that is less than what the Word says, you have a right by salvation to designate whatever need, whatever your need is. The Bible says it's a promise. You have a right to that promise. It's yours already. You don't have to learn to pray for it or pray wrong, you know, right, wrong, whatever. Yes, we need to pray right, but we need to understand what's ours. Salvation is ours. So, Terry, it's ours. So... Now, when I encounter something, no, like, you know, John was boiled in oil and didn't get up. I mean, these things were their tri- tribulations. They're believers, strong. I mean, they, I wouldn't know how to even carry their shoes. They were such strong believers. Well, the church can get that strong. We can all do that. But we need to understand what they understood, all right? And that's what's written. So, their, their testimonies, you know, their experience in salvation, their, their, their teaching us. And, and people saw it. When John was boiled in oil on the island of Patmos, you remember? I mean, man, when he was boiled in oil and they saw that he wasn't even burned, he had no blisters, he wasn't drowned, can you imagine what they thought? 
Well, it scared the daylight out of the emperor. <laughs> well, I said he was boiled in oil on Patmos. It was in Ephesus, but he was moved to Patmos because they were scared to death of him. The world needs to be not scared of you, scared of Jesus in you. That you don't need anybody but Jesus to give you the experience of salvation on the earth. All right? So, Herizo is Paul saying declared, that word declared. You have a right to declare what you desire for you, your personal life, your family, whatever it is. You have a right to declare it and set that boundary. Now, most people, most Christians don't know how to set boundaries. I'm not pointing fingers or blaming. They don't know how to set those boundaries. Well, how do you set them? Declare it. Not, oh, Father, will you please do it? No, you declare it on earth. Now, he's already declared it through Christ. If Christ did it, he does it now. He's, he's the same yesterday and there forever. So, Herizo gives us the expression of how, as believers, we can do this. We can, Herizo, we can do that. Now, that's where we get the word horizon from, all right? Well, what do you know about the horizon? Well, you know, that's where... Earth stops and the sky starts. Well, that's kind of a lame way of saying it. But on earth, we go beyond the horizon. We go into the spirit realm. We go, we graduate from that. So we have the provision of heaven like you would if you could be a space traveler and you launch off the earth and go into space, kind of the same atmosphere. So you see the horizon from a different perspective. Are you with me? So, you know, this is what, what the word declare means. You declare what God said in heaven and declare it to us. He did that through Christ. We'll see that coming up. Declared to be the Son of God with power. All right? So he designated the power. The word power is the word dynamis, which means miraculous power, might, or strength. So... That's what he gave you in salvation. That encompasses the totality of salvation. If you need it on earth to glorify God so the world can see the blessing of a father God, that's what you do. You have to declare it, all right? So Paul is saying this is what the believer does. Now, Jesus was declared to be the son of God with supernatural power. Well, that should be your declaration. That should be who you are. That's experiencing salvation. That is where you learn to pray, not, Father, will you do what you've already done? That's where you declare what you've already done. I'm, I'm talking to my Father on earth, realizing, Father, Jesus established this, and I can partake of that. I can be a partaker. This is what salvation is, all right, for us. It's a lifestyle, <clears throat> but we have to understand the word dunamis is that word. You have to declare the same power in Jesus' name. His name is above every name that is named. They come out with new names all the time, don't they? I mean, well, that name is still submitted to the power of resurrection of Jesus. Now watch. The word resurrection is the word anastasis. Anastasis is a compounded word, and I have it listed for you. It means a standing up arising up again. So the word Anna is up again. That's the word Anna. 
all right? The first part of anastasis. Then the word, the second part of that is histamine or stasis. Histamine is, is that word stasis, and it means to stand up physically resulting from the spirit of holiness. So what I'm saying and what he's saying is resurrection power is afforded to you physically. Jesus was the physical expression of God the Father, Jesus Christ. We know him as Jesus Christ. If we, know, if we go beyond what religion taught us, as a Christian, I'm designating who I am in him. I'm of the same anointing as him. So what that means is Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power by the Spirit of holiness. What that's saying is resurrection is the Spirit of holiness. So then we start looking at ourselves. Oh, well, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. And that's a wrong way to go about it because you have the grace to overcome no matter what. Now, this has got to be an individual thing. That's why salvation I can't get saved for somebody else, you know. That's up to them to make that choice. If they want it, they can have it. Now, once they get it, they have to learn how to live that way. Am I making sense to you? So what happens is when we're not taught the proper approach to it, then what happened, Anastasis, Jesus was dead for three days. On the third day, once the three days were completed, three morning, evening and morning, three times, then early in the morning on the fourth day, he was risen again, all right? You had to have those three days complete. Why? Because of what they believed back then. Now, the Father raised Jesus. Christ didn't die. He's always been Christ. He came as Christ, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life with the strength of spirit of holiness that lived in, the, in his spirit, in our spirit as a Christian, but I've got to renew my mind. I've got to renew the way I think. In other words, if I think, you know, that God's not hearing my prayers, then the devil's going to two-block you with that. He's going to divert you with that. If I think there's something wrong with me and not right with me in Christ, he's going to block your prayers. Does that make sense? So, so Terrier, salvation has already been given and the full measure of it. But I've got to learn how to live that way by declaring, by understanding who I am on the earth. Yes, I'm going to heaven when I die, but I can have heaven provision now. That's salvation. I mean, he connects the two, all right? So anastasis it is meaning to stand up again physically, physical resulting from spirit, the spirit of holiness. <clears throat> then verse 5, by whom... Let's read it. I think I wrote it out for you, but verse 5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. Notice he said the faith, not a faith. There is a specific faith that God is looking for. He's not looking for an earthly faith. He's looking for a heavenly faith. I'm praying from a heavenly perspective, from my seat at the right hand of the Father in Christ. He gave that to me. So if I understand that, then my faith originates there, not here. Are you with me? Am I confusing you? When, when it originates here because man teaches you a doctrine, then all of a sudden you're only going to live by that doctrine. 
Instead of the living faith, the faith is that faith. So salvation is concerning that faith in my spirit on this earth, in the flesh. So by whom refers back to, of course, Paul is referring to Christ Jesus. We have received, not going to, we have received grace and apostleship. Grace is not a license to sin. It's not. Grace is what God gives us to expand the borders. When you don't expand the borders, well, then you're kind of not going to experience what's out there. You're not going to experience what heaven has. You have to establish and declare what God said in order to live that life, the Zao life. So we'll get to that in a minute. But the point being by whom God established has given us grace and apostleship. Just to say a little bit about that, apostle has been a, it doesn't exist anymore in the American mindset, but it is a gift God gave his church. It must still exist. So a lot of people say, well, you know, when the last apostle died, and I always say, when was that? You know, when Peter died, when Paul, whoever. I mean, that's a misunderstanding of scripture. The word apostle is something Jesus established to govern his church on the earth, to set up order, not rulership, order. So what happens is when we get out of order, we're going to get pounded. So an apostle is a very interesting word because though we are cessationists, meaning that we cease to believe that that's true, so then we've reduced apostle now to, well, he's a church planner. <laughs> He does plant church, but that's not all he does. He will live in that church and establish the truth so they can live that way in that church, in that area, wherever. So wherever God sends an apostle anointing, he's establishing something that man can't do by himself. It's a gift. He does plant churches, but he also has the right to establish the truth that God says in his word. And then you have prophet. Prophet, I mean, if you think you prophesy over somebody, I'm a prophet. Well, maybe whatever. Just because you have an ability to, you know, read someone's actions, whatever, and you're prophesying over them, you don't prophesy according to the natural. Got to be there. What he sees and he tells you. So he established his truth and scripture by apostles and prophets back then, and he still does it today. Now, what's the most familiar term we have? It's a gift. Pastor. A pastor now is a is a the only word we recognize. We omit the the more important that what an apostle is a mature believer and God says, I want to appoint him to establish my work here, 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 whatever. And so a pastor has that pastoral mantle on him to govern or to do according to what the word says. And so those five gifts have been established. So by whom were they established? We have received grace and apostleship for obedience. Obedience is a sister word to faith in Greek. There's only one or two letters difference between how you apply them. Obedience is an action that faith does. It's not about obeying what the man says. It's about am I learning to obey him? Is my relationship getting stronger to understand what I'm supposed to be doing? Not just listening to a set of do's and don'ts and then, you know, 
that gets into a controlling atmosphere. And when it does, it's going to drive away the anointing. It's going to grieve the Spirit of God every time. Because God wants us to learn to be obedient to the faith, the one he's looking for, the truth, among all nations, including Zachary. <laughs> for his name has been established in his word and that name was established to recognize, and, you know, Jesus said it over and over again. He said, the words that I preach don't come from me. They're not of myself. But my Father, he does the works. John chapter 14, verse 10. So what he's saying is, the words I speak, that's what we learn to speak, the words, all right, to declare. He didn't just... He didn't just speak them as a doctor and see if you wanted to believe it or not. He said, if you believe it, I'll, I'll perform it. Now, he said, I don't do the work. My father does. Same way with us. I just declared the righteousness, and he does them if you believe it, if you receive it. So this is the action of salvation. Does that make sense to you? It's not just this theological made up, you know, I try to figure out how to live a saved life. It's about what God has given me already. It's mine. So here he's saying <clears throat> his name has been established, and Paul is making note of that, among all nations for his name's sake. Then we go to verse 11, moving right along. Y'all doing all right? Well, the word is always right on target. Now we drop down to verse 11, not to omit the ones between the ones to get to verse 11, but we go to verse 11 in chapter 1. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. That's what an apostle does. That's apostleship. In other words, you're not going to get this gift only because of your understanding. An apostle comes to impart. Are you with me? not to do it for you, not to be the one you depend on. He's to teach you so he can impart a spiritual gift. What do you think is a spiritual gift? You think faith is a spiritual gift? You better know it is. The faith is a spiritual gift. And so he came to impart to those how they can live by faith, <clears throat> and so that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. So that's an implication that once I impart, once that gift is imparted, that God has imparted it, you still got to walk it out. Now, that's where we begin to become the cessationalists because, I mean, to cease things. We cease to believe so we've reduced an apostle down to this. We've reduced Christianity down to what I think a Christian is. Why do you think the world is confused about who they are? Because they don't see a Christian. They just hear a lot of talk, but they don't see a lot of action. You know, oh, well, you know, we're going to hand out bottles of water at the corner and show you how much we love you. That's not the action he's talking about. He's talking about there are people out there that are sick. They're, just, they, they, they're, they're suffering. They're struggling. And that's why this morning I wanted to do the illustration. It's not a tug of war between Christ and the devil. It's not. It's your choice. 
when Christ grabs hold of your life, he aggressively takes you from the clutches of the enemy. And he says, you're mine. And he stands now between you and the enemy and says, you got to attack me before you attack him or her. Are you with me? This is why we have to understand that Jesus aggressively takes us. He made a place for us that we can be seated in him. And then he came back and said, now, if you believe, I'm going to take you away from the enemy. You, the enemy has no power over you. You have the power on earth. Are you with me? So what power does the devil have? Yeah, deception, lies, you know, false, whatever. And, you know, and you, you hear something false long enough, you think it's true. And that, that's happening as we speak. So that's what these, these lessons are designed to be, the theology of salvation. The word in part is the word metodidomai, metodidomai. And what that word means, meta means with, and then didomai is the word that comes with that, in other words, with the teaching. He's saying didomai is a word for teacher. So didomai, he's saying with the right teaching. I'm going to impart something to you with the right teaching. I can't impart something to you if you don't, if it, if it don't mean anything to you or you think it's just theology or doctrine, it's not going to do you any good. you got to believe it. Are you with me? Now watch what happens. <clears throat> Some spiritual gift to metodidomai, to bestow, to share, to give a share of. So what the apostleship was doing was imparting something to the church. So the church doesn't need the apostle or the pastor or the, the whatever. They need to understand how they can do it themselves. Now, when they understand that Christ aggressively takes you, pulls you away from the devil and says, all right, then where do you think your problems are? Misunderstanding, mistranslation, misrepresentation. All these things happen, although it sounds really good, and I love that. I mean, you know, give a dollar to get a hundred. Wow. So much of a lie you can't believe. But it's taught, and, and people are making money off of it. They're doing all kinds of stuff with it. But that's just a false doctrine. It's just not true. They've been taught wrong. When you have wrong teaching, you're going to have wrong believing. So he goes on to say in that verse, verse 11, <clears throat> that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. The word established is a word that means full of purpose. It means it's going to give you mutual faith. Mutual faith. That's established. In other words, I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm not going here, trying this one, see if that works, see if this works. I'm not doing this. I'm going straight because he's in a straight line to the Father, to the heaven. He gives me access of that same direction. But when I'm doing this, and we all do, I have to admit, I mean, we don't have mutual faith. Now, let me give you the best example I learned about that. When Peter walked on the water, I use that a lot. Do you think Peter was walking on his faith? No. He walked on Jesus' faith. He said, Lord, if it's you, there's no faith in that. I don't even know. But if it's you, you taught me that I can do what you do. You're walking on the water. Then bid me to come to you on the water. Jesus said one word, come. 
So now Peter's got faith based on what Jesus said, and he steps out. You don't need a whole theological training to understand. Just listen for the voice of the Spirit. He will speak to you in times what you need to hear what he wants you to do. That's the, that's, the, that's the training we need to have strength in because when we're just trying to do all this, trying to figure out why this, well, I'll go somewhere, I'll go, somebody else says this, somebody else says there's some, I mean, there's thousands of teachers. I remember, well, a little personal note, when I got involved with flying back in the 70s, I'm telling my age now, but, you know, I wanted to be a commercial pilot, and I got up to the point where I finally got hired on with American Airlines, but it was a lot of journey in between, you know, flying the first little trainer to flying the big jets. Well, you know, that was a, a highlight of my life, you know, to fly these big planes and, you know, learn how to do it. But, but there's no difference in flying a big one or a little one. They all work the same, you know. So, but I remember when I got into the flying industry, there wasn't a lot of pilots. They, but then they started offering pilot school. You can go to the advanced training. You can go here and go to ground school here. And then these aviation began to plant all these schools to train pilots. The problem with that is there was a lot of pilots with authority to fly, but there wasn't enough planes. Kind of like there's not enough churches that are God-given churches. So what do you do? Well, we'll go find the little storefront. We'll go find a little empty bank, whatever, and we'll make a church out of it. Really? Or my, you know, we'll, we'll call a church any other. It's not what God calls church. It's what man does, what man calls a Christian. So we can learn to be a strong, mighty, believing Christian if we understand these words. Am I making sense to you? But we've got to establish some things to do that, to get the mutual faith, me and Christ. And so Matthew 18, verse 19, when the two of you agreed on earth that touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them. The word shall be done is not in your notes, but just to kind of tell you in studying the language, when he said, it shall be done, that's one of the most powerful words to connect us with him. Shall be done is a Greek word that means, if it doesn't exist, I can make it. He still has creative power. If you're missing something, he can. That's the kind of power we're connected with. So what do you think the devil doesn't want you to know? He doesn't want you to know that. Because all of a sudden now he loses control. So you're no longer under his dominion. You're under Christ's dominion because we're learning to speak that heavenly language, understanding the language. So we drop down <clears throat> to verse 17. I'm sorry, verse 16. We're going to study this scripture a little bit. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where Paul taught, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Wow. There's a lot of things we need to be ashamed of. When it's the gospel of man, we need to be ashamed. Why? Because we're not showing forth the glory of him. We're showing forth the glory of man, his teaching. His do's and don'ts, his will and wants. I mean, when we're learning that kind of control from man, we have it all out of order. It's not going to work. It never will, never does, never has. So 
he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the anointed gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's isolate verse 16 and do a little word study. Ashamed is the word episkunomai, episkunomai. And what that word means, I have, it's a compounded word. Epi means fitting. And then axoyo, axoyo. What that word means in Greek is singled out because they misplaced their confidence. Not ashamed is the word tomanata. So what he does is the word epinot means not ashamed, not singled out, because you're not living what you say. Have you ever had somebody say that? Well, you're not, you're not living that life. You're not doing that. I don't see that in your life. Why would I want to serve God? If they ever saw the power of Jesus Christ's resurrection, oh, they're going to flock in. But we're living in a time where they need to see it, not just hear it. They need to see it. And that's what it's all about. So, you know, like, I, like me and Jody, we don't build this church. The anointing does. And so when you get the anointing, then you go out of these doors as a witness now to testify of him. Not just talk about him. Not just try to win them over with, you know, I like your doctrine. I don't like your doctrine. I like whatever. You'll win them just by them watching what's happening in your life. That's these words. That's how powerful they are. Now, they are that powerful because they originated in heaven. Are you with me? So they originated there, established here in Jesus, and then Jesus Christ went back and said, I will build my church, my anointed church. That's what he's going to do. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. <clears throat> so, that word now with not on it means I'm not ashamed when that word, when not is not on it, like Paul used, they misplaced their confidence. And that's what shame is. It's a shame to stay. <laughs> that goes back to I'm crucified with Christ. If I'm not expanding my boundaries, he already bought the land. It's already his. But I need that in my life. That's why you saw things like Paul could face shipwreck, snake bite, stone left for dead, all these things. I mean, and I love it. One time when he told Timothy, he said, when no man stood with me, the Lord stood with me. Peristomy. And so what he's saying is, if, if everybody else leaves, I'm going to stand in Christ. I'm going to stand with him. You're going to see his work. And, I mean, so he's faced tribulation. I mean, Peter faced tribulation. I mean, all of them faced tribulation, and we read about those things, but those were not the, the, the tribulation was overcome. All of those, and you know all the ones we read about from all the 12 disciples, all them, they were martyred. They were martyred. You had to kill them. <laughs> so I don't want to be martyred, but I'm telling you, I want to live the full life that God wants me to live on this earth. So whatever he wants me to do, I'm committed to doing that. And so that's what you need to do also. I mean, not committing to the rock church or to me and Jody as pastors, but to the word, to what he said, because that's your strength. That's where it comes from. You just need to learn the word. So there the word power comes back. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God unto salvation. The word power 
is the word dunamis again. That means earthly, supernatural power. Dunamis power. Power, might, strength to do powerful deeds, marvelous works, showing physical power on earth, having the ability to perform through God's ability, applying the Lord's inherent, inherent abilities. Now, what do you think the word inherent means? Inheritance. You've already received an inheritance, whether you know it or not. But it's an inherent ability. So in other words, God said, I'm going to give you my ability in Jesus' name so you can do marvelous works. Well, you can be there, and he'll do the work through you, but you'll be the one that's there. I mean, you'll see God doing things that are so supernatural, it'll make your head spin. He will. But you're not seeing that a lot in the world today. So we, we, we tried to find revival in man's definition instead of in God's definition. What does God need this church to do? Are you with me? So, yeah, I understand there's revival happening here and there, and there's people, you know, we got revival happening in our church. They asked one guy the other day, I said, what's that? You mean you're a pastor and you don't know what revival is? I said, well, I know what revival means to God. I don't know what it means to you. He said, well, we're just sitting there. I'm like, nothing's happening. And you call that revival. The word revival, the original word revival in the Bible is anazao. And so that's a compounded word, Anna and Zao. So we are called to live a Zao life. That is a derivative, Zoe is God life. Zao is how I live in the flesh. That's what he's telling us right here. <clears throat> we can show forth God's ability. It's inherent. It's inherited in Christ. And so, but if I don't know it, now, that goes to what I know I preached this last week. Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, he said, if, and I love it when he said it, you're neither hot or cold, cold or hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. All he's saying is, I'm not mad at you, I'm just not going to back you up. You're speaking your word, you're speaking doctrine, you're speaking your theology, you're speaking what you think is right, you're not speaking my inherent word. I mean, you're not saying what I said about you. So we wonder why, you know, we got to go to big healing revivals, get healed. And I'll never forget. Anyway, I won't go there. <laughs> Just I've seen some big ones, believe me. And only to find out that they're all fake. I mean, and not, maybe not all of them because God's going to touch you in your life when you believe. So some people may have been believing. I don't know, but I'll never forget. I'm going to tell you this one. <laughs> We're sitting there, and this little nine-year-old boy walked up to this big, world-known preacher, and he said he couldn't hear, all right? And so this guy, <laughs> and so he, he got down in front of me, and he said, can you hear me? And he read his lips. He said, yeah. He said, what did I say? He said, uh-huh. And so come to find out, <laughs> about a week later, this thing was broadcast all over television. It said the guy really didn't get healed. But the man, the, the well-known preacher, told him he was healed. And he never got his hearing, not, not then anyway. That's a fake. That's a fraud. That's not true. I mean, we see things like that all the time. Are you with me? So how do I know the difference? When you have God's power, everybody's going to know it. 
Ain't nobody got to pretend. It's going to be real. It's going to happen. But if you try to take credit for it, that'll be the last time you're going to see it in your life. That's why soteriology is so important because God is the one that gave it to us. We inherited it in inheriting Christ. We inherit his unbelievable ability. I mean, it's always there. That's what this Romans book is declaring to us as believers that Paul is talking to the Roman church. <clears throat> so verse 16 goes on to say, it is the power of God unto salvation. The word unto is the word ice or ace. It's a preposition connecting. It's a preposition like we use the word and. This word ace or ice, however you want to say it. And what it's doing is connecting something unto. Meaning, as you read the language, what he's saying is, I'm going to connect you to the power of God unto. I'm going to connect you with the power of God. Now, we can build our ministry off of it and build our name, make money, whatever. We can say, you know, like Abraham, he said, I'll, make, I'll bless you so you can bless others. That is totally just false doctrine. Although, when he blesses you, it's so you can be a blessing to others. All right? What did Abraham establish? In the old covenant. Faith. He was the father of faith. But what happened. We know theologically. That they couldn't go to heaven when they died. They were in Abram's bosom. Right? Because they were not qualified to go to heaven. Why? Because the blood of Jesus had not established his name. So. This is where you see all these things happening. In. In respect to that, like the thief on the cross, one said, Lord, this day remember me when you get into your paradise. So he knew something about the afterlife. The other guy said, if you're really the Christ, take us off this. I mean, well, one of them went and was in Abraham's bosom. And so when Jesus was now off the cross, he came off the cross, he went directly to hell and bruised the head of Satan, came back with the keys and showed them, now I'm going to take you to your eternal home. There is no more Abraham's bosom. There's no purgatory. There's none of that stuff. There's no halfway house. To be absent from the body now is to be present with the Lord in heaven, seated in him that you're supposed to be understanding. That's where you're seated on earth by faith. Am I making sense to you? I didn't lose you, did I? All right. So, <clears throat> unto is that little connection word, unto salvation. There we get the word soteria, means deliverance, salvation, prosperity, preservation, safety. And I have in parentheses, includes healing, provision, protection, all in his presence. That's the word soteria. That's why we're studying soteriology. We're studying the meaning of salvation, not man's doctrine about salvation. Let me tell you, it's more than just saying a little prayer. I call Jesus my Lord. It's a lifestyle. If I call him my Lord, then I let him have lordship over my decision, my life. Now, you have to expand your borders. I mean, a lot of times we're waiting on him to do something. He said, expand your borders. Didn't I teach you that? Expand your borders. 
you want to experience that, then put my word there. My word is a barrier. So it goes into the, now, now I'm on another rabbit trail, so I got a little time. Whenever the seven pieces of armor, a lot of people call it six, it's seven pieces of armor, truth, righteousness, peace, salvation, faith, and anointing. Then the one that we usually leave out is prayer. That's one of the armor. But the word faith, he said, the shield of faith. What is that your faith? No, it's his faith. He says, when you establish my boundaries, then I'm going to make sure that you experience that. That's my will for you. So the believer can get healed, delivered, protect, whatever you need. I mean, it's all in soteriology if we understand it correctly. Are you with me? I'm not preaching to some, some kind of phony doc. This is the word. That's all we're doing. And so him that believeth is the word pistuo. And what that word means, entrust, have faith to act upon truth, to be entrusted with. Think about that. When you're believing, God is trusting you to act upon it. How do you do that? Well, we don't get a doctrine of, you know, faith or doctrine of whatever. He said, I'm believing. I'm believing. Then I act upon it. Well, that's what we have to learn to do, guys. Believe it. Believe. It's continuation of believing. <clears throat> so entrusted with, have faith to act upon truth, be entrusted with, persuaded, having confidence, which is the foundation of faith. That's why you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Now, most people come to relationship with Christ based on the church doctrine, confess your sin, that he forgave you, and that's where they start, and that's where they stop. They, they don't go anywhere past that. What we're doing with this for is teaching you how to get past that, how to establish his truth in your life. And let me tell you, that's a process. Expand your borders. Expand your so once you expand it, the enemy's only thing he can do is talk to you and say, come on over here. Do it my way. Trust my way. Trust the world's way. And when we do that, we, we're omitting grace now and going without him. We're pushing him aside is what we're doing, so to speak. So we close with verse 17. <clears throat> Verse 17, for therein the gospel of Christ, the anointed gospel, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's work with that just a moment. The word righteousness is a gift. God gave it to you. It's not your righteousness, it's his. It's Christ's righteousness. Everything the Father established in Jesus Christ, he will establish in your life. And so you have his righteousness. Why do we let the devil pound us because we've done something wrong? We don't understand this word, all right? So the word righteousness is a word, <clears throat> decalucine, decalucine. Sounds like you're hallucinating, but you're not. It's a compounded word. It means the justice of God, who is the source of all or the author. Decay means ju judicial verdict 
Asane means divine approval. You put those two words together, it means God's divine approval to manifest in your life from his examination. God examinates the actions that we take and we call it faith. He knows whether it's faith or not. Are you with me? Let me tell you how simple faith is. And I did this this morning in, in the principle of faith class. In Luke, I love it because in Luke 17, verse 5, the disciples couldn't understand how to apply that truth to their life. And they said, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus said to them, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, wow, you would say this sycamine tree be plucked up by the root and cast in the sea and it would obey you. So he said, use the faith you have. Use what you have. Let Expand your borders. I mean, just start with using the faith you have. You'll get there. You'll understand how to do that as you progress. He didn't say, you know, oh, that's all you're going to ever have. You know, I'm not going to give you more. He just said, use what you have. <clears throat> Verse 17, again. There in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The word revealed is the word apocalyptu, apocalyptu. That word means to uncover or to bring to light. How many of you understand you have to have light for your eyes to see? Yes. Right? I mean, I remember a, a man told us one time, he said he was taking us on a tour of a cave. It was Onondaga Cave in Missouri. My mom was deathly afraid of caves. <laughs> so they had the cave lit up, you know, and they turned the lights off when we got down into this portion we were going to, probably two or three hundred feet into the cave, turn all the lights off, you couldn't see your hand right here. You have to have light to see. God says, I'll give you light, so I want people to see my work in your life. They need to see, not just hear what you're saying, see what you're doing. All right? So we make this portrayal about how to be a Christian, all this stuff that we try to make people believe you have to do. Just believe the word. He'll give light to it. He'll reveal it. He'll uncover it and bring light to so that reveal means to be seen. Apocalypto is a word that compounded word. Apo means away from what's covered. Calypto without apo on the front of it means to cover. Apocalypto, apocalypto means to uncover so that it can be seen. The just shall live by faith. That's the word dikalos. Dikalos, which is a word meaning correct, righteous, innocent, just in the eyes of God. He will justify his word. And then the word live is what we talked about earlier, the word zao, which means I live, I'm alive to experience God's gift of life, which is zoe. Any questions? That's why we're doing this. So I kind of did a little different giving you the outline tonight and showing you what these words are. You can take them, Google them, I'm sure, whatever. You may have a, a, a software or something that can. These are genitive words. They may not, in other words, you may, they may look different. In, in other words, in, any verb or noun can have up to 21 endings on it. So that make them look different, but these are the base words. These are the original words that the other words are built off of. So they're called genitive. Any questions? All right. Well. God is good.
God has great plans for you. He does. He just needs us to learn how to work his plan, work with his plan. He'll do the work. And he'll do it for you to glorify him. All right.